The Lead Story is proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, insight, advice, impact. Welcome to the Business Report. And uh, we turn our attention now to results of uh, a company that many of you will know and frequent, and that is Agri Limited. Joining us in studio is Arnold Klein, CEO of Agri. Arnold, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Gary. So let's start out with some results. Um, some some pretty spectacular numbers in here, given uh, some of the headwinds that we're still facing economically and, and infl- high inflation numbers. Um, but I, I'll just quote one. If we look at just the revenue numbers, revenue up 30%. I mean, everything starts with how much money comes in the door, right? That's Those are... Those are good numbers. What stands out for you? That's right, yes. Um, I think, first of all, one must actually look how we got to that. And that is with a very strong sustainable growth and expansion plan that we have implemented and also focusing on non-agricultural business where we sort of supplement or complement, actually, our, our agricultural business. So that helped quite a lot. And if you look at the results as such, one can say, okay, yes, revenue growth of 30%. That that sounds amazing. And how did we get to do that? And did we exploit maybe the farming community, especially in a drought or whatever? <laughs> but if we do look at our gross profit margins that we've made, our gross profit only grew with 9.6%. It actually says to you, that we have taken strain on the gross profit side and we actually try to accommodate the farming community by offering products at a more affordable price. And that is exactly what we've done. But also what we've done was also to do extremely good cost management where our costs actually increased only with a 3%, which is below inflation, which I think is commendable. So the way that we went around and, and, and achieved these very good results is actually driving efficiencies and productivity within the, the company. And we had a very, very strong focus on working capital by bringing down um, costs, financing costs, um, bad debts, for instance, and stock losses was kept at the bare minimum, which was actually attributed to, to good management. You, you can't shy away from that. Now, ultimately, what counts is profit. There are obviously a number of definitions of profit, but if we just look at profit for the period in the income statement, even though we can see the margins have not been 30 and 40 percent, um, it's still a, a close to a 20 percent increase in profit in tough times. That is that is correct. And, and that actually is derived from, from efficiencies, from managing costs and also with growing your market share. And, and that actually brought about the, the profits that we have generated. So, yeah, so the after-tax profit of the group is at 94.1 million. And for Agra itself, it was at 92 million, up from 75 million last year. So let's start out with uh, just going back to what you mentioned in the beginning about a sustainability and expansion plan. Give us the highlights of those. What's really paid off in the last 12 months here? We had a, a strong drive in fuel expansion, where we actually upgraded the filling stations at our branches, and that made us a, a big player in the fuel industry on, on forecourt as well as on bulk supply of fuel to the farming community. We know that farmers do need bulk fuel in order to, to cut their costs also on a farm level. So um, that we have done, but also we have your normal public filling up at our service station. So that is actually where they complement our agricultural business as well. So that contributed to to the profits quite well. 
Um, then further expansion, I think the positive things that came from COVID, we were the first company in Namibia to start with digital auctions, for instance, where we have a digital platform and that attracted even f- uh, other countries to have a possibility of buying bulls or stud rams or whatever in Namibia as well. And that has served us extremely well. So I think we have the best a digital platform in Namibia where we conduct basically all our stud auctions through both um, virtual as well as actual auctions. And we have buyers from all over the world, but animals moving mainly to Botswana, Zimbabwe, Zambia, those countries as well. So we were not only dependent on the local market, but a lot of it to, to the export market as well. If I can use examples, in the past month we had probably three stud auctions where 50% of or more of the offering that we had on the stud auction actually went out of the country. Okay. So let's dig into that technology for a second because there'd be a couple of metrics you'd want to look at. Firstly, frequency of auctions. Does having digital auctions make it simpler to have more auctions? And then average selling prices. Have you seen prices raised as a result of access to greater markets? I would, I would say definitely so, especially if we talk about the prices. We know that we have a drought period here this year that we've actually passed, and there is a drought that is expected for the next year. Hopefully, we will get a lot of rain still. Um, I'm always um, on the more positive side where I believe that we would get rain. But if we look at the pricing this year in Namibia, if we were only dependent on the Namibian market, definitely the prices were, would have been much lower. The demand would have been much lower, of course, driving the prices down. And because the demand was much bigger as a result of the, the foreign buyers, the prices actually maintained at the same level as last year, which was a good, relatively good rainy season last year. So that definitely, and also with that demand, it actually has driven the demand up for the animals as well. Although the sales last year were almost 100% sale on all the auctions, whereas this year we did not have 100% sale on all the auctions. So there were bulls or rams that, or say breeding material that, that could not be sold. And this year, I think the focus was more on quality animals and the poorer or worst quality animals just did not have a bid on on the auction so that one could see this year definitely but the digital auctions played a major role in achieving that so let's just last question on that particular the adoption of new technologies especially in relatively conservative markets like agriculture are often fueled by fear of fraud fear of corruption and fear of Deals going wrong. We know how to do business this way. Doing business a different way brings new risks. Have you seen an increase in perhaps nefarious elements uh, around that? Not, Not really. But I think also we have a very, very strict vetting process. To, to look at prospective buyers, whether these are credible buyers as well. And we don't load any, any animals if they haven't been paid for before they leave the auction pen. So that is a very, very strict control. And that is part of, of how we approach business as well. We do make sure that whatever we sell, we do get the money in. And by that, we're protecting our ground. We do protect our producers or our farmers through that as well. So we can't really say, but there's always attempts for fraud and and the fraudulent activities and attempts for fraud has increased definitely. There's no doubt about that. But it's all how you approach that and how you try to control that. And what sort of feedback in general have you had from from farmers looking at this? Do they see this as a threat? Because obviously for auction houses, 
they also have to change the way they do things or or yeah. is it being universally celebrated? It's it's yeah, I would say it's universally celebrated. Um very, very positive uptake on the digital auctions. I would remember Two years ago when we started with the digital auctions, it would have been like 20-30% of the stud breeders that would opt for the digital option. Right now it's almost 100% that they would opt for, for the digital part. And that is actually just increasing your buying power. Um, so they do see the benefit of that. And it's actually a rather affordable um, addition to, to the auction. So threat as such, to, to us not because we have implemented it's it's an addition to the way that we do that we do auctions and it just makes it easier for people to bid and to acquire animals. Now, when we chatted about a year ago uh, on your last set of results, uh, you mentioned at that time a little bit of more of a, a stronger focus into the retail sector, understanding that there's perhaps additional lines, additional products, but that retailing also entails perhaps thinking slightly differently to the old co-op meth methodology of, of trading. What in the retail space are you particularly proud of over the last 12 months? The, the biggest thing is the expansion that we had, new lines that we've added, but at the end of the day, it's, it's customer service and customer satisfaction. And I think it's also any business out there would always have some customers that would be not satisfied. And these are usually your more verbal customers as well. We always say that 5% of your clientele actually gives you 80% of the difficult problems that you've got to deal with. And the 80% of your customers are actually very, very happy. And that is how you sort of measure that as well. But the customer experience, the way that we go out of our way to serve our customers, we have a delivery model also where we do deliver to farms. Um, and, and that helped us tremendously. So we do that sort of on a milk run also where farmers can combine loads. We can deliver directly to farmers as well. Um, but it's the whole approach that we do. It's, it's sort of online buying or email buying where farmers can email the orders. They don't have to come into the shop and stand in queues to, to, to get what they need. So we pack that for them in advance and they can come and get it easily at the branch. They've got very good um, direct relationships with our people. So that is something that we pride ourselves of is the personal relationship that we do have with a farmer. It's not a shop where people uh, basically would walk in. If a customer of Agra would be unhappy or dissatisfied with his service, they will complain and they will even phone me as the CEO to do that. And, and that is the loyalty that we do have. If you go to another shop and you don't get the service or the prices or the products that you're looking for, you walk out and you never return. In Agra's case, it's totally different. People will complain and they will take it up to the highest level to try to resolve the issues that they have. Another metric, which is always an interesting one to ask a senior executive, is the share price. Sometimes share prices are immaterial to a business's performance. Sometimes they're critical. In your case, the share price has uh, seen a strong increase, 26.4% on the year under review. Um, does that help you or does that hinder you? That, that helps us. And if I talk about us, we must always remember that Agra belongs to its shareholders. And we are one of the unique companies um, where we have 3,817 shareholders, of which about 75% of that are active farmers or previous farmers that maybe have retired in the meantime. So the increase in the share price directly benefit the shareholders 
of which 75% of them are farmers. So it actually directly benefits the farmers. And the nice part about that is we are in the process of unlocking that potential and that value of the farmer's share in, in Agra. And that is why we are so proud that the share price has gone up. If we look at the, the, the return on investment in, in Agra over the past three years, and if you take the dividend payouts that we've done, so that we talk about the dividend yield as well as the growth in the share price, on average for the past three years, that return has grown with 30% on average, which I think is commendable. That's fantastic. Um of course, shares are only worth something when you sell them. Absolutely. Uh, how liquid is the share at the moment? Very. So there's actually a waiting list uh, for agro shares. So there's much more a high or a much higher demand for agro shares than what comes on offer. And the reason for that is people are realizing actually the value of agro shares and that we are actually in an upswing regarding the share price as such. And with the constant positive and good performance that that we have year after year. I mean, this is the third year that we actually have um, the best results ever. So that also gives people faith and and a very good sentiment towards the the agro shares. So they hold on to the shares and if they do need money, which happen from time to time, people do have their reasons for selling shares, then this immediately there are people in the line to, to buy those shares. And my plea would be for farmers to actually, other farmers to buy those shares because I would like Agra to remain in the high hands of the farmers. Would it be tempting at some point to consider a free float, uh, a, a public listing? Yeah, that, that, that would be on the table. I don't think the time is 100% right at, at this stage. I think we still have some work to do to really unlock the value of Agra before we can consider that because our shares are still trading way below our net asset value. So there's still a lot of room for improvement before we can consider that, in my opinion. All right, Arnold, we're going to have to try and wrap it up. We're out of time. Great results. But we are steering a drought down both barrels. The finance minister in his speech to parliament made mention of it, over $600 million being put aside for drought relief. Uh, droughts are sometimes double-edged swords for businesses like yourselves. Margins can sometimes increase, and the temptation is there to take advantage of situations. How are you guys seeing the next 12 to 24 months play out, given what we anticipate will happen with El Nino? Yeah. That's basically also the same that we've done for the past year. So what we've done right in the beginning of this year, around February, March, we started already engaging with our suppliers and we negotiated um, sort of preferable or preferent pricing on the products that we can supply to the farmer. So we were extremely competitive and we kept on with those discounted pricing on those product ranges throughout the whole period. And in fact, they are still valid at this day. So the volumes actually allows for you to make less uh, profit, so a lower margin on these products because the, the volumes that you sell actually account for the, the revenue that you would get in terms of Namibian dollars that we'd get in that, in that at the end of the day. And that is exactly what we will do in future as well because this is not the time where you would like to exploit your customer. It's actually how you can support your customer. And by doing that, trying to, provide the inputs at a low as possible rate. Uh, but at the same time, you've got to look at your profitability of your company as well, because you've got to do that at a sustainable basis. And the only way that you can do that is, again, to focus on efficiencies within your company, to increase productivity, to look at 
costs, how you can save costs, but also how you can still expand and grow your market share and to do that in a sustainable basis. And, and part that but did as well over the past years and that we will continue doing is to investigate and see how we can invest in non-agricultural activities as well because that actually stabilizes the market and we don't really have those peaks and valleys and, and you know, the turbulences within agriculture where you're totally dependent on rain and you actually have more, yeah, I would say, sustainability in terms of your income generation in periods like this. And, and that is what we will continue doing. Well, EBITDA over 156 million, comprehensive income 94 million for the year. Those are fantastic results. Congratulations and, and the best, all the best for navigating the, the year ahead. Thank you so much, Gary. I appreciate The lead story was proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, insight, advice, impact.